Welcome to the Silver Screen Podcast. I'm Jared Boomer. And I'm Katie Ganey-West. This is a podcast about movies and pop culture. And today we are reviewing an older movie because we like to, you know, revisit the classics of cinema from time to time. This is an Alfred Hitchcock movie. It is from the 40s and it's called Notorious. Uh, Stars Cary Grant, Ingrid Bergman uh, in the two lead roles. So we will be talking about that today. You know, we did an episode on Gentlemen's Preferred Blondes. This is very popular. Um, And then we've done a couple other classic movies as well, but we hadn't done one in a while. So we wanted to go back and review something that was a classic. And I think this is one of the more maybe underrated Hitchcock movies or or overlooked Hitchcock movies, maybe because it's not one that comes up when you think of Alfred Hitchcock. Not like one of the top three or four that you would probably think of right off the bat. Yeah. This is one, though, that I had heard a lot about. Like as far as I feel like this is his his like mid tier movies. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I hear about this one a lot, but I'd never seen it, so I kind of just wanted to use the excuse to watch it. But I Hitchcock, like I have so many issues with who he was as a person, but his movies are so so good. Like no one did it better. Yes, so we will be talking about Notorious today, but we do have some news items first, some quick hitting news stuff. Uh, first up, congratulations to Rihanna having her second child. Of course, we saw at the Super Bowl that she was pregnant and has delivered her second child. We haven't gotten any pictures yet. We also no. don't have the child's name as far as I know. No. But um, they said it starts but, with an R because okay. there's Rocky, Rihanna, Riza, and then some. Yep. This, this second boy has an R name. Yes, so yes. congratulations to Rihanna, though, and ASAP Rocky for uh, that that child, so yes. her second one, so very nice. Now, we'll see if she works on some new music now. Uh, it's been a long time coming for Rihanna for a new yeah, album. People waiting. are waiting for quite a while, but congrats to her. Seems like a uh, child's doing well, family's doing well from everything that I've heard. So, and I respect their decision to to kind of keep it private too. You know, yeah. I think I think in this day and age, if you don't want to put your kid out on social media for the world to see, then that's or don't want to tell it its name, you know, that's, that's perfectly fine. So, (laughs) um, another news item. So last week we talked about the maestro trailer, Bradley Cooper's new movie directing and starring in it coming to Netflix, I believe is who has that later this year. Um, and there's been a lot of controversy or discussion about Bradley Cooper's nose in the movie. Um, because, um, you know, the man he's playing was Jewish. Bradley Cooper don't think he is Jewish as far as I know. Um, but they have given him a prosthetic nose for this movie that is very pointy. And that was the talk of a lot of discussion last week. And I didn't really see that the big issue with it. I hope I'm understanding everything correctly. Um, I mean, me too, but it seems like from what I could read that it was just a choice that they made. And it seems to be pretty accurate to what, you know, the character he's playing looks like, or looked like in real life. If you look at Bernstein, that's what he looked like. And also the family signed off on it, like his kids and grandchildren and stuff are alive. And they all were like, Bradley came to us about every decision. We fully supported this. Um, So I thought that was insane. And I think my problem now, I'm not Jewish and perhaps I don't understand. So if people have anything to add to this discussion, feel free to reach out to Jared and I on social media. Um, But the as as far as like... um, Jewish people do usually have a prominent nose, but that's the same thing as other other races and ethnicities having certain attributes. That's just the way it is. That's how black hair is different than white hair, things like that. Now, if he was dressed up in blackface, I'd have a serious problem with this. Mm-hmm. But yeah. to me, it sounds like he dealt with this with the utmost respect. And I think this is also bizarre because – it, it makes me upset. It's like people just woke up and thought I need to pick apart someone today. 
and chose Bradley Cooper, but also because um, things like Gary Oldman are people that have worn, he was Churchill and he wore makeup prosthetics. How is this any different than people wearing contact lenses for a part or wearing different teeth or something to look like, um, like a certain real person from real life. If that was a feature of theirs, why would you not want it to be accurate? If he was doing something racist, I would be like, yes, this is a problem. But I just thought that the whole thing was just a bit too much for me. And, um, and other, just to, not to switch the focus, but I did want to mention that I was really impressed with Bradley Cooper. He has been sober now for 20 years. Wow. Um, and that cool. was a big story this last week, too. He apparently had, I did not, I knew he was a drinker, but he apparently was also addicted to cocaine. And he okay. chose to get sober. He was like, I can't, I can't deal with substances. Like, it's too much for me. And so he's been sober for almost 20 years now, which is awesome. So really That's proud awesome. Of him. Very but cool. also, I just think the nose thing is a, it's a bit much. But if we misunderstand, please let us know so we can mm-hmm. be educated. Uh, another thing is there's more in the Rachel Zegler uh, Snow White controversy or uh, drama that's going on. So Rachel Zegler is going to star in the new version of Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, which looks like it's going to be has the same name as the original. But that's about where the similarities end right. as far as what I've seen from, you know, the plot and the set photos and everything. But um, there was some more some more news with her this week. Yes, she released a clip. I didn't listen to the whole thing, um, but she like basically was bullied into releasing an apology because so many people were upset about her um, comment that I talked about where she talked about the writer's strike and also her talking about how Snow White, like how they had to change the story. They just had to make it very feminist with a feminist bent and all that stuff. And I had mentioned last week, I, I don't, I love feminism. I'm all for that, but I think it's weird to take a classic story and just completely change everything about it. Like, why would you even take the story or take the name or the character? Just create a new story. But Hollywood doesn't do original things anymore. Um, but I do want to recognize, and I kind of alluded to this last week, Rachel Zegler is is a young woman, and I don't know her. And I did point out, I am sure these things were taken out of context anyway. So I don't want to be part of uh, the bullying effort. Um, I do feel bad that she felt like she had to like release a statement. I was more bothered because it sounded to me like she didn't um, accurately represent or understand the writer's strike and was speaking as a voice of like the common man, which she is not. And that bothered me. I don't really care what they do with Snow White. I hate all the live action things they're doing. I hate that they just keep doing this over and over. So whatever. I have low expectations for Snow White. I've never been a big fan of Snow White, so I don't really care what they do with Snow White. But the writer strike thing, I was like, Rachel, maybe like let a writer talk about the writer strike. Yeah. Uh, also, it's weird that Disney decided to like basically do this as a straight remake. Like they've done things before, like the Maleficent movies, like those are in, you know, that universe or whatever. But by giving them a different title and focusing on the villain, you've kind of created you know a different type of movie per se so it's weird that they you know instead of just doing a straight remake they could have done something in the snow white universe and uh done a project that is similar to snow white but maybe has some differences or new characters or whatever the case may be but they decided they're not going to do that they're just kind of remaking snow white but it doesn't sound like it's going to be too too uh true to like the original version so that'll be very interesting when that comes out so um, another news item is that just like that on HBO Max, or I guess Max now, as it's called, just got renewed for a third season. So the girls will be back 
uh, for season three. <laughs> I'm excited. I'm only one episode behind. And then I think next week uh, is the finale for the second season. Okay. I I haven't talked to a ton of people. I don't think that people are as dedicated to this as I am, but also I just think some people haven't committed. And it's, I mean, it's not the exact same as Sex in the City, but I've really enjoyed this season personally. I still love the show. I think part of it is a comfort to me that I really like the characters and the fashion and all that stuff. But I think they've done a good job and I was thrilled they were bringing Aiden back. So I'm excited and glad they've renewed it for a third season. But I can't say I've talked to a lot of people who are as invested in it as I am. Well, and I think like we just talked about Snow White, but like HBO or Max is doing this obviously like spinoff show that's set kind of with the same characters and everything. But by calling it something different and by changing a few things, you've kind of like expanded on the universe a little bit because you didn't just call it sex in the city you called it and just like that so i think you know that works a little better just comparing the two things in terms of like we're gonna remake something or yeah. relaunch something like i feel like that works better when you change a title maybe add some new characters subtract some characters that don't want to be a part of it anymore and do all that the thing i think the best thing that they've done with this show that really has worked in its favor at least in my opinion is uh evolving the characters as far as making them they're very human. Like some of this stuff is ridiculous. Like some of the things they can afford and the jobs they have, but they did a really good job with increasing their diversity and making a lot of different characters really interesting and have complicated problems. So I think that they've moved it in a much better direction. I think a lot of shows don't often do that if they have spinoff series or continue too long. I think they really took their time with thinking out how they wanted to do the show and stay loyal to what fans loved about the original. And then final news item is that um, Scooter Braun, who is a very famous manager, um, is losing a lot of clients this week. And there's been no real statement from him about why that's happening. Um, you would think if he's not going to be in management anymore that he would want to get out in front of this and say, hey, this is what I'm doing. This is my decision. And then like, you know, I'm parting ways with these people because I'm switching to a different role. That's what the the rumors are is that he's taking on a, a new role or with his company doing something different. But the way that it's come out in the media does not like it look very favorable for Scooter Braun. Of course, Taylor Swift has had issues with Scooter Braun. Um, uh, yeah. Numerous documentation of that if you want to research into that. Um, but he lost. So this week he lost Ariana Grande, Demi Lovato, uh, I believe Justin Bieber, Adina, Adina Menzel. Menzel. Yep. They've all parted ways with Scooter Braun. So mm-hmm. I'm interested to see if something comes out about him that's maybe not great in the next week or so. And we yeah. get some more details on this, but it's very odd that these long-term clients, these big stars that have been with him for so long are deciding to not be managed by him anymore. Yeah. I mean, obviously I am now totally a Swifty. But he always seemed like quite a shady character to me that I'm not a fan of. But the only thing I have to say for those who are Taylor Swift fans out there, um, Karma is my boyfriend, Scooter. <laughs> so. so, yes, that uh, that line in Karma where she's like, my pennies made your crown. That's referring mm. to Scooter Braun. So, yeah. And if yeah, if you I mean, definitely guys read about it if you love any of the controversies and you want to know. But that's why Taylor has had to re-record all of her music is Scooter Brown. So, yep, sure is. So but that's okay because she right now is headlining the um, the tour that's made the the most money in the entire world. Highest grossing tour ever. Yeah. And it's not even she's like a third of the way done. Yeah. Yeah. So she's doing just fine. Yeah. 
think she's mm-hmm. good without him. So yeah, Karma really, really is her boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> so on to our corrections, which we haven't done this week. So we'll move into recommendations. I don't really have any recommendations. I'm almost done with this freaking book, Demon Copperhead I've been following by Jared. Barbara Kingsolver. <laughs> we went into a bookstore this weekend, and I was like, Arjun, this is the book Jared's reading. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, it just needs to end. I'm at like yeah. 500 pages read and there's like 60 or 70 pages left. It's such a long book. So I'm really proud of been, you. It's been good, but it's just not. Well, we talked about this before we recorded last week that like her mm-hmm. writing, you said you had read a couple of her books. It's just not something that you can read very quickly. So no. it's very no. dense and you have to really digest it. So no it's taken me describe- a while. <laughs> no one would describe Barbara King Solver as light and fluffy or be or be treed or something. Yeah, this book has a lot to do with substance abuse, you know, opioids, yeah. p- poverty, um, lots of things, lots of heavy, Goodness. heavy topics. So yeah, it's very good, but it is it is not a light, you know, be treed for yeah. sure. So well, I only have one thing to recommend. Um, I've been reading a ton lately, but I narrowed it down to one thing. I wanted to share None of This is True by Lisa Jewell. This, I did get this through Book of the Month. Where else would I get a book? Um, but it was excellent. And the reason I wanted to highlight it was because Lisa Jewell, she's written a ton of books. Um, not a beginner. This wasn't a debut. But she, uh, her books from what I've heard are hit or miss. It's like, it's kind of like an M. Night Shyamalan movie. Like she'll have a book that's really good. And then she'll have a book that like people are like, I hated this. And okay. so I've only read three of her books now, but they've been really spread out over the years. And I've kind of only read books that I heard were like hits, if you will. But this one, I decided to take a chance on it. I was like, whatever, it's book of the month. I might as well try it. It was so good. I read this in roughly, it was probably 36 hours because it wasn't a full two days. But it is, it's, the the reason I also wanted to highlight this is I thought it was going to go in a really creepy direction. I thought this was going to go like straight um, pedophilia and just really warped family things. And there are some warped family things, but everything I thought was like the direction this was going to go. It didn't go that way at all. And I really like when a book does that. And I also thought, man, if this book goes the direction I think it is, I'm not going to be able to recommend this. Cause a lot of books too, I lend to my mom to read after I'm done. And mm-hmm. if it was about kids and like abusing kids and stuff, like that would have been a no go immediately. Um, but it was so good. It really surprised me. It was very, it made me super uneasy. And it was, I, I, I don't mean light and fluffy or a quick read or anything in any disparaging way, but it's like, it's an easy read. It's a quick read. And if you like anything that is like thriller or suspenseful or whatever, this was a perfect book. So again, none of this is true by Lisa Jewell and Jewell is J E W E L L. Yeah, I looked it up on Goodreads while you were talking about it, and yeah. the premise seems like really interesting for a <laughs> thriller. Was, so it was yeah, really good. Okay, cool. I have yeah. I have added it to the want to read list. So <laughs> thanks, Jared. <laughs> Hashtag book of the month. <laughs> exactly. Sponsor Hashtag. us, please. Thank yes. you. We need we need your dollars. So yeah. <laughs> okay, on to our thoughts on Notorious, released on August fifteenth of nineteen forty six. Neither of us were alive yet. Neither great of us year. would be alive for quite a while. Yeah, 1946, great year. Um, not No rating. I don't know if the MPAA was around at this time. I think if this get, got rated today, it would probably get a PG-13. Um, 
I would think maybe a PG, but there is some more romance elements. I mean, we do talk about Nazis. Yeah. But there's no language. And there's like alcohol. So smoking. Yeah. So I feel like it would get a PG. It would be a light PG-13, though. Okay. It wouldn't be like a... That's the, fair. Yeah. We're now the MPAA. <laughs> yes. We rate this PG-13, but we're closer to the PG side of PG-13 instead of the R side of PG-13. So uh, hour 42 minutes or an hour 43 minutes. Well, at least we're pretty daggone close. So that's good. Uh, box office wise, it's hard to find box office numbers for this, um, but yeah. apparently made about maybe a hundred and thirteen thousand dollars yeah so. which today would be eight million <laughs> i don't know i'm just okay guessing. yeah it would be way more now so it looks like let's see here this this is probably adjusted for inflation but on wikipedia um it says the budget was one million dollars and the box office was 24.5 million dollars whoa so i mean hitchcock too would have probably been known at this point yeah yep and that's not outrageous that that would have made you know and 24.5 million that that might be 1946 dollars i don't know i'm not sure on if that's adjusted for inflation or if that's like from that actual time period i mean one million dollars seems kind of accurate for the price to make a movie in those days so well and i think another thing uh that i thought about watching this movie i already told jared i really liked this movie it's not my favorite hitchcock movie but he he had yet to do all his masterpieces that we Mm -hmm. hear about all the time so the fact that he was already it was already this good in 1946 is really pretty impressive yeah and obviously he's you know very famous filmmaker which we'll talk about here Mm -hmm. in in a little bit but yeah he had done some movies before this but you're right like north by northwest and um, psycho hadn't your window and dial m for murder and all those had not yeah come out yet so um imdb is a 7.9 out of 10 rotten tomatoes critics 96 percent audience 91 percent so everybody enjoying this Mm -hmm. movie and the synopsis for this one is the daughter of a convicted nazi spy is asked by american agents to gather information on a ring of nazi scientists in south america how far will she have to go to ingratiate herself with them so ingrid bergman plays the uh the daughter and then carrie grant plays devlin who was like the from the agency basically that ingrid bergman is working for so yes and they fall in love because of course they do so <laughs> don't spoil the 19 19- <laughs> the film from 1946 <laughs> uh this movie is directed by alfred hitchcock um who has been often called the master of suspense he's an english director he's known for psycho north by northwest the birds vertigo many others we mentioned a few rear window uh as well was accused of being quite a cad um then that is very accurate um and he had phobias of police and eggs so yes. he did not this like either of like, those things this was well documented that he had these fears and there are certain things that happen with like um in psycho in certain movies why he incorporated police um they were always bad or they were like they made everything more tense and scary. He hated police. But eggs, the egg thing just really threw. I know a lot of people don't like to eat eggs or the smell or the taste or the texture. But I, I don't know about a lot of people that have a, a phobia of eggs. Yeah, that's a, that's a little that's a little odd. So mm-hmm. nominated for five Oscars for Best Director for Spellbound, Rear Window, Lifeboat, Rebecca, and Psycho. Didn't win any of them. Um, but he was awarded a Lifetime Achievement Award in 1968. So he yes. has been recognized by the Academy, but crazy that he did not win an Oscar. 
No, I mean, I agree. And also, I didn't include this, but IMDb had a fun fact about this. He had some quote when they were giving him a Lifetime Achievement Award, and he was like, oh, I must be about to die soon, and he died the next year. (laughs) And I was like, oh, shoot. (laughs) Wild. So his last movie came out in 1976. So that was his last. 76? Yeah, last film. Didn't he die in 69, though? Um, Let's see. Maybe I'm wrong about the year. He died in 1980. So So what are they talking about? <laughs> Guys, I'm sorry. Let's continue and I will correct this as we're because it it said something about or maybe we got the maybe I got the lifetime achievement year okay, wrong. Okay, so here's he what So, he was I found it. So, okay, his last you. public appearance was on March 16th of 1980. He died in April and he introduced the next year's winner of the American Film Institute award. And then that's when he said the thing that you said that he was like, I'm probably going to die soon. And then he died the next okay. month. So, yeah. Got it. Yep. And um, we won't go into it because I don't have anything like cited and sourced. But he was just known for like abusing people and not being faithful to his wife and was just generally a misogynist and a pig. So. There you go. Welcome to the 40s and 50s. So, yeah, yeah. And the 60s. Uh, okay, we will take a break here on the show. We'll come back. We'll talk about the cast and our likes and dislikes for Notorious. And we're back here on the show talking about Notorious from 1946. The movie has a pretty small cast, but uh, some banger actors for mm-hmm. that time period, uh, led by none other than Cary Grant. Jared, uh, you can fall asleep on the crush alert button for me for just a second. <laughs> Thank you, Jared. Uh, Cary Grant, one of the biggest crushes of my entire life. Uh, He plays Devlin in this movie, which I thought was a very cool name. And I think at some point they say his like full name, but I it doesn't even say on IMDb. And who really cares? Because Devlin sounds cool. Um, Cary Grant is one of my personal favorite all time actors ever. He's very well known. he was kind of a triple threat. He could do, he could, he was handsome, charming, talented, funny. He was really known for how well he did with comedy as well. Mm-hmm. Couldn't um, really sing though. I guess if there's anything that like well, drags okay. him down. Well, okay. I mean, you know, that's okay. <laughs> I can't sing. So I'm No, singing. I can't either. So. But. Um, he is, <laughs> he's originally from Bristol, England, and was definitely one of the most popular actors of his generation. Some of his most famous movies are North by Northwest, A Philadelphia Story, Charade, To Catch a Thief, Notorious, and Suspicion. He was nominated for two Oscars, which we mentioned in our uh, 200th episode. Um, those were for None But the Lonely Heart and Penny Serenade. He did not win, though, but in 1970, he was awarded an honorary Oscar. Very nice. Yes. And then next up, we have Ingrid Bergman. She plays Alicia Huberman. She was also one of the best actresses of her generation. Um, And if you are a fan of Friends like I am, her daughter, Isabella Rossellini, was on an episode or two. She was kind of dating Ross for a little bit, but that is Ingrid Bergman's daughter, and she's still alive today. Um, Ingrid Bergman was a Swedish actress. She is tied with Meryl Streep and Frances McDormand. Jared, can you double check though? Because Frances hasn't she won? No, I think uh, that, okay. I think okay. I think it's still right. 
Okay, I will check that. So thank you. But uh, she is tied with Meryl Streep and Frances McDormand for the most Oscar-awarded actresses. Um, she was best known for Casablanca or Casablanca. I never know how to say it, but it's one of my favorite movies of all time. Gaslight and Spellbound. Oddly enough, we also mentioned Gaslight in our 200th episode because I mentioned Angela Lansbury, and that was her first film role. She was nominated for seven acting Oscars, seven people. She won three times for Gaslight, Anastasia, and Murder on the Orient Express. Yeah, so she is tied with Meryl and, and Francis. Francis and also okay. um, Elizabeth Taylor as well. So <gasps> Elizabeth Taylor. Oh, we love Liz Taylor. <laughs> and then lastly, just continuing the people who were like the best actors of their day, Claude Rains. He plays Alexander Alex Sebastian. He was an English actor best known also for Casablanca, The Invisible Man. The Adventures of Ro- Adventures of Robin Hood and Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. Love that movie. He was nominated for four Best Supporting Actor Oscars for Notorious, Mr. Skeffington, Casablanca, and Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. And I had to share this fun fact because all of these people have passed on, so they don't have upcoming projects or anything. But <laughs> Claude Rains was married six times, and it could have been seven, but he died uh, while he was married to the sixth woman. So. Six times. I know one of. I'm on his Wikipedia. One of his marriages started in 1920 and ended in 1920. I wasn't married the whole year. I saw that. Wow. (laughs) I I mean, we don't know the story. I didn't do any research, and you know what? People can just live their lives, and they've all passed on anyway. But six times, you got to wonder what was going on there. Yeah, Cary Grant was also married a bunch too. He was married four times. Okay. Um, and I, you know what? It's funny you mentioned that though, because I looked at Claude Rains and I think Claude Rains only had one child, a daughter, and Cary Grant also only had one child, a daughter. And oddly enough, she was also on Friends. She played, uh, her name's Jennifer. And Jennifer Grant, she's still alive. She was Chandler Bing's girlfriend for an episode, or like a woman he, sorry, a woman he flirted with in the office. I think I brought that up in another movie where we talked about Cary Grant. Um, okay. But interesting that both of them were married so many times and only had one child and it was a daughter from all of those marriages. Yes, that is yeah. that is very interesting. So um, we'll get into our likes now for Notorious. So the first like for this is this is a very um, easy to follow story. We basically got three people that were really invested in the three that we just mentioned are the, you know, the three stars of the movie. And that's really works well for a mystery and a thriller. I think sometimes where mysteries or thrillers fail is like when you have like too many people like murder on the Orient Express or even knives out runs into this a little bit where there are so many characters in knives out, especially the second knives out movie where it's hard to kind of follow everybody and remember how everybody's connected to each other and and all the and you know there's certain characters you care about more than others probably but in this it was really nice that there was only really three characters that we cared about so it was really easy to remember everybody's like motivations who they were working for all that kind of stuff um i'm so sorry i do (laughs) jared's so good i do have to make a correction carrie grant was married five times i thought it was four (laughs) Five times, Carrie. Um, but uh, I did want to mention three of those were elopements. Okay. Which I think that was much more common, though. Yeah, like, that makes sense. Yeah. Anyway, dang, five times. 
Chill out, bro. Um, but anyway, yes. Okay. So sorry, there was that. <laughs> Back to the movie. What we were saying about it, though. Um, yes, I. What one thing I really like because Jared talked about how this has a small cast, but I like what I like about these movies, especially Hitchcock was really good at this. They were just like straightforward and concise. You don't, you don't have to like. It's not like Marvel where you have to pay attention to like thirty things that came before it and after and compile all this evidence (laughs) to keep everything straight. The only thing I think is very important in a Hitchcock movie, which I planned for, you can't be doing anything else while you're watching a Hitchcock movie. If you are distracted, don't look at your phone. Don't be like, you know, have it on in the background while you're doing laundry. You will miss things. You'll miss the cameo from Alfred Hitchcock, but you'll miss like a crucial piece of evidence or something that's going to tell you what's going to happen in the story or who the killer is or whatever. So... That being said, I really like that this is not an overly complicated story. Um, And he does everything, the length of time um, for the story. It's a a full and complete story told in a reasonable amount of time with really good pacing. So I know that Jared and I talk about film lengths all the time, but I think just one thing, another thing that Hitchcock really excelled in was that he could he could tell a complete story and he kept it interesting and he did it very well. I would I would agree with you and I think going back to your point of like paying attention is he's not one to um you know recap something or bring up things multiple times in the story so like you said you do have to be paying attention the whole time. And this is a movie, you know, we have to give this credit I think. This is a movie from the 40s. It's in black and white. We're watching it at home. There's numerous other distractions that could pop up. And I was invested in this the whole time. I was not on my phone. I was watching it. I was now it did take me two sessions to finish it. But that's kind of normal for me Um, (laughs) because I had like 45 minutes one day and then 45 minutes the next day. So that's very standard for me, though. But um, I was I liked, you know, the movie the whole way through. And I think it's even harder for a movie from an older time period like this to really compete for your attention with everything that is that is you know, available nowadays. I did pause it at one point because I wanted to make sure there was some question I had about one of the characters. Oh, I know what it was. I mean, none of this is really a spoiler. So Ingrid Bergman, though, her dad, you find out at the beginning was a Nazi and has been thrown in prison and he's killed or he dies. He dies. Mm -hmm. I don't know if they said murder. They took, uh, he took a poison pill. Like he did it himself. Yes. Okay. They're talking about that on the airplane. Yes, but then I I wondered if he was murdered. And so I think I paused it at some point to be like, am I understanding this? Did I miss something? Because again, it's Hitchcock. And I was like, did I miss a crucial piece of the puzzle here? So, but anyway, I'm, so it was helpful to like have a phone to look that up. But I agree with you, Jared. I mean, it didn't bother me at all that this was in black and white. I was so interested in the story and I'd heard so many good things about Notorious and uh, Hitchcock, his, his, filmography kind of speaks for itself you know it's going to be good so one thing that i wanted to highlight as a like is and this is something that hitchcock does throughout his career is Mm -hmm. his filmmaking techniques are really innovative for this time period um there's really cool there's multiple cool shots there's one where they're all riding on horses and they're all riding together uh that would have been a hard thing to do in that time period to sync that up um 
there's one shot where like the camera they're getting in a car and it goes from like the left side of the car and then goes over the top of the car and goes to the right side of the car. Another cool shot for that yeah. time period. And then there's a scene early in the movie where like Ingrid Bergman is driving, but she's drunk and her, she's going all over the road, but they're using like a mixture of like screens or film behind them behind the yes. car. Actually. Um, I thought that looked pretty cool too for, again, for that time period, all of that stuff looks very impressive when you consider it's 1946 and there's no computers or anything yet. So they have to do this all practically somehow. What a great call out, Jared. I'm kind of sad I didn't think of that myself. I definitely noticed the car ride the same thing because I was impressed with how that was filmed. You could hear them clearly and it didn't look, I mean, you know, of course they're not really doing that drive. And part of me, I couldn't, I couldn't help but think like she's just straight up drunk driving and they're joking about it. Because um, Carrie Grant's even like, <laughs> you're drunk. And then he tells her he's a cop or <laughs> like it's it was a bit much. But that's part of the charm, I think, of old movies is that some of the stuff is so ridiculous or or it's one of those things where, you know, not like we want to excuse 90 year old men for certain things they say now or do and say like, oh, that's just part of their generation. But a lot of these old movies, all you can say is like, it was a sign of the times. This is just the way that it was. And you just let it be. So that I kind of was freaked by the lack of concern about the drunk driving. But I thought the way it was filmed was so interesting and innovative, just like you said, Jared. Oh, when she gets pulled over too. And she's like, oh, yeah. crap. You know, I got yeah. <laughs> like she wasn't oh, gonna get pulled over. <laughs> this, I'm gonna go to jail. She says something like, "This is my third time. I'm gonna go to jail or whatever." I also thought, why was Cary Grant not driving? Just drive the car. Why is Ingrid driving? You're not intoxicated. Why aren't you driving? Yeah. Um. So that leads me to another like is that this movie is very funny in some parts, like that scene. Oh yeah. Um, there's another scene where Cary Grant comes home. Ingrid Bergman is like making a chicken, and she's like, you know, it's like looks like it's the driest thing you could oh. eat. And she says it caught on fire in the oven. So um thought that was funny. There's a couple <laughs> other parts that are pretty funny too throughout the throughout the movie. So yeah. there's some comedy intermixed with the with the tension and, and the thriller aspect, which I think is the next thing that we want to talk about is just that this movie is very tense in parts, um, oh, yeah. especially near the end, uh, as you're getting closer to the 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 culmination of the movie. It gets pretty tense. I agree. I I was gonna say about the actors, um, well, Cary Grant, that was one thing he excelled in that I alluded to. He was really good at he could play like a straight character, but he he would add this like level of charm and humor that I do not think comes naturally to many people. I'm trying to think of someone that's really good at that today. Well, Ryan Gosling, I would say. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and maybe he's at the forefront of my mind, but I think Ryan Gosling is really, really good at that as well. Um but you could tell Carrie and Ingrid had excellent chemistry. They just worked very well together. And I really don't want to leave out Claude Rains. I thought Claude Rains, who was a villain, which somebody, I forgot, I just remembered somebody on my, I reviewed it um, on my uh, letterbox, letterbox. And somebody yeah. commented on Claude Rains. And they're absolutely right. I need to respond to them. Thank you, whoever you are that did that. Um but he he is not to be missed. His performance is not to be missed in this movie because he was equally as good as them, but he's evil. Um, the scene that made me, when you're talking about thriller aspects, Jared, that made me like 
so scared was when Ingrid Bergman is trying to steal a key. Well, she successfully does it. And she's kind of getting ready for them to go to dinner. She looks glamorous and just beautiful. And he goes to (laughs) – Claude Rains goes to – oh, they magically got married, like, after five minutes of knowing each other. Yeah. Um, so Which, Claude like, Rains tracks for the actors in this movie. So. For, <laughs> for sure. So Ingrid and Claude, their characters get married in the movie. They've known each other, like, five minutes. And she's like, yeah, then I can expose these Nazis. Um, so he goes to, like, kiss her hands. And she's holding this key that she's stolen in one of her hands. But the suspense was so good. Mm-hmm. And then eventually she knocks it on the floor and kicks it away with her shoe. And just everything about it, the way it was filmed, the suspense, that was that – was, what Hitchcock did so masterfully. I really liked the scene when they are in the wine cellar and basically they are. So like there's, there is a big party going on and they're Mm -hmm. serving wine and they say at some point they're going to need to go down there to get more wine. Well, how Hitchcock kind of shows you how long it's going to be is just shows you this cooler, this ice bucket with wine bottles in it. Um, And they just kind of keep going away as they serve more and more alcohol. So it builds this tension of like, oh, there's only like three left. And then at one point, you know, you see the guy start to come downstairs to get more. So it's like that. I thought that was a really good tension building scene as well. Like, are they going to get out of here in time? Are they going to clean up this mess? You know, I thought that was that was well done. You know, it was funny about that, too. When the bottle first drops it, I thought it was a mistake uh, as far as like how it when it shattered. I was like, that's not liquid. <laughs> I think I said that out loud in the house. I was like, that's not liquid. Like what a horrible prop job. 1946. <laughs> But then I realized like that was part that was the point is they were like smuggling things in these bottles. But yeah. I just thought I thought that was funny. And at first I was like, wow, guys, like you could have budgeted for some liquid. <laughs> could have poured some water in there. Yes. Yeah. Um, cool movie title as well uh, for a movie we called Notorious in 1946. That's that's pretty innovative, I would say. Um, I it's not really... a word that gets used a lot, but it's a cool word. No. <laughs> I liked it and and just like the meaning of the word I thought what a great I, I think I'm rarely impressed with film titles these days because it's usually like Marvel 59 or <laughs> Too Fast Too Furious like there's not a lot of thought or we're remaking Snow White for the 12th time or Little Women for the 12th time you know so I just thought what a really like a good title and again it was concise it was right and it's intriguing um, and I'm trying to find I, I am trying to find my review on uh, letterbox so i can at least point out the person's name but anyway go right ahead and i'll come back with that uh and then i think the, the final thing for likes before we move into dislikes is just this movie has a very abrupt ending which a lot of movies from this time period do uh, and that's one thing i like about some of these movies too because movies nowadays you you see them the main plot resolves and then there's like this 10 15 minute period after that's already happened where it's like you're not as invested as you were before the resolution occurred. So old movies though, really get to the point and then just like when they're done, they're just, they're done. Um, So that's how this movie ends, but it works well for this movie and for this story because it kind of leaves some things up in the air in terms of what might happen after the movie's concluded, but it also gives you a satisfying ending as well. Um, spoiler alert, because the two main characters get out safely. But after you don't know what's going to happen after that. You know, is Claude Rains going to die? Is he going to go to to jail? Are there going to be more consequences? You know, did Ingrid Bergman get treatment in the hospital? You know, you never find out any of those things. But it, I think the abrupt ending, leaving you with some questions is good for this. Yes, I really liked the ending, which I was telling Jared earlier. I don't always like 
old movies the way they end. I mean, part of it is there's a comfort there. You just know it's going to – someone's going to kiss and they're going to be like, the end. Um, There's not like a long drawn out thing, which part of that I really enjoy about old movies. But sometimes I feel like it leaves you dissatisfied. But this movie, it's kind of – it wasn't really a cliffhanger. You just know like someone's going to get punished. Like someone's about to die and the movie just ends. And I was like, oh, that's even creepier. Like we don't – we don't – and that that was another thing that Hitchcock did so masterfully – is people would die, they would get hurt. It was kind of like Murder, She Wrote, quite honestly. But you didn't need the gore. Like, you don't mm-hmm. need yeah. you don't need to see someone's brains splattered about the ceiling. Like, if you hear a gunshot, you're like, oh, no, someone died. Or, you know, you can see, like, a noose or something, and you know somebody was hung. Um, or that he would do, like, chocolate syrup or something, and you it was supposed to be blood because it's black and white. But I, I really liked the way this movie ended. I couldn't get over it. Do you have any more likes before we move into dislikes? No, I did want to tell people I'm so bad at navigating Letterboxd, <laughs> so I can't really tell you. Like, <laughs> I'll find She's it. She's trying. Um, yeah, I just I'm I'm embarrassed by how bad I am at Letterboxd. I just don't I don't utilize it the way some people do. So <laughs> let me see if I it. can go. To I know your that. Oh, profile. okay. I know the person. Oh. <laughs> It says the person, um, their handle, I guess, is Criterion. Cri- okay. No, cri- cri- Criterion. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but not like the Criterion yeah. collection. Not They did not comment specifically, but just somebody named, yeah. with that now username. He, d- <laughs> he said, he or she, um, this movie is a testament to the power of Claude Rains. MF, I think he means mother ever, um, <laughs> plays a Nazi and yet still delivers a remarkably sympathetic performance. Uneasy for sure, because I had said that everything was like uneasy in the film. So thank you for commenting on Letterboxd. Thanks for reading my uh, review. And I think that's hilarious. And I, I do think he meant MF, and that's also yeah, hilarious. Yeah, which is funny. Well. <laughs> so good point, though, for sure. Yeah. So. Um, on to dislikes is this is a this is a good movie overall. It's very enjoyable, but I think when you talk about the classics of Hitchcock, it's not going to be mentioned in those for a reason. I don't think it's as iconic. It doesn't have as big set pieces as some of those other movies do, like North by Northwest with the plane and Psycho with the shower scene and things like just oh, really yeah. like iconic moments of cinema. Um, this doesn't really have any of that in it. It's a, more of a smaller movie. So I think that might be a dislike is that while this is good, it's probably not the best in, in Hitchcock's filmography. And there's probably five, six, seven movies that would be ahead of this one in terms of ones that you would think of first. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I really enjoyed it. I'm glad we watched it. It's not, I would watch it again for sure, but it's not, it's not like a standout for me as far as Hitchcock, because there are many Hitchcock movies that I am crazy about on a level more than this. Um, I think the only other thing I would say, because I really had trouble figuring out what I didn't like, I do struggle with old movies in particular, how ridiculous some of the situations are. And I've basically mentioned some of the stuff that uh, bothered me in this film. One was that Alex and Alicia get married immediately upon meeting. So that's Claude Rain's character and Ingrid Bergman. Now, I get that she's doing it as a means to an end, but just just how quickly people did things, no wonder they got married six times, you know? Like that with with not giving it a second thought or planning ahead, like of course people would get married that much. But I thought that was a bit ridiculous. Um, another thing was so again, I mean this is a spoiler, but the movie's from 1946. Um, they're poisoning Ingrid Bergman's character, 
And she doesn't catch on, which I, I don't know that I have not personally been poisoned over an extensive amount of time or ever, but I don't <laughs> know good. that you would, I don't know that. I don't know that you would like not suspect anything. Does that make sense? Like it's weird to me that she just thought, oh, I just don't feel well. And I was like it's bad bad flu. Like, yeah. Girl, they're poisoning you. <laughs> and then and then um, you know, Carrie Grant eventually catches on, which is clever. And that was part of the suspense. I get why they have to set it up that way, but I have a hard time thinking people wouldn't notice they're slowly being poisoned. Like if you're living in a house and there's only two other people in it. Um, and every day you feel worse and worse, and it's always after you eat, and you always feel these certain symptoms, I would think you could put it together. So some of those things, I'm just like, it's a little bit of an eye roll for me, or like the drunk driving, things like that. Again, it's a sign of the times. It's the kind of like style of the movie, so it's forgivable, but those things do bother me. Well, and like you, that would be a dislike for me as well. Like There's a period at the end of the movie where Cary Grant is waiting for Ingrid Bergman, and it's been like who knows how many days and she hasn't shown up to their meeting location. I know things moved slower in the forties, but I think after <laughs> five days or whatever, I yeah, would have been, you know, much. going to look for, I probably would have been going to look for after like day two, not like, you know, a whole week passes or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> so only other dislike I have, and it's pretty minor is that, um, some of the stuff in this movie, I think is a little hard to follow at times just because it is thrown at you so quick. I mean, there yeah. were a few times that I had to pause for a second and either, Go. I went to the the Wikipedia summary of the plot is really pretty good. Um, so I would just pause and be like, "Wait, what? What? Why do we care about that again?" And then I would go and read through to where we are, we're up to in the movie, and you know, figure out that missing piece of information that I just had missed, either because they said it quickly or it was you know a single line of dialogue or whatever. So, and that's not uh, really an issue throughout the entire movie, I still think the plot is pretty easy to follow overall, but there are a few minor things that I was like, wait, like even you talked about like her dad dying, yeah. how he died. You know, they mentioned that very quickly. There's some other things like that that just happened really quick that I think is maybe a little bit of a dislike in this movie. Yes. Agreed. Okay. Time for our scores. And uh, I think you go first this time. I do. I'm going to go ahead and give this an 86. Very nice. I do think Hitchcock like rarely made a mistake. The acting is superb. I do think because of the things we mentioned, and it is it's it is hard to look at an older film and not notice some of the lack of like special effects, things we're able to do now, or like how clear the film is and all that stuff. It's it's hard to live in this day and age and not kind of look at these old movies and see what they're kind of lacking technically. Um, but the performances are fantastic. The story is creepy. It is wonderfully done. I mean, hardly any notes. 86. I'm going to go just a little bit lower than you, but real close. Uh, I had it at an 85, so I'm just going to give <gasps> oh, it a straight excellent. 85. Yeah. So enjoyed it. Again, probably not the best Hitchcock, but for the time period, for what it's doing, the story, all of that stuff, you know, very yeah. solid. Would definitely watch this again for sure. So me too. That's our thoughts on Notorious. You can follow the Silver Screen Podcast on social media at Podcast Silver on Twitter and Instagram or search the Silver Screen Podcast on Facebook. Find us there. You can follow us both on Letterboxd as well. Those uh, links are in the show description wherever you listen to the podcast. And be sure to rate and review and subscribe as well. That always helps us out too. If you like the show, just hit that little follow button or subscribe button depending on where you listen. And that's great. And you can get the downloads automatically when we post a new episode and then we are on the 10 year anniversary of a pretty big movie one of katie's i would say this is probably one of your favorite movies it is right? it was okay. when we did top 10 i think it was i think it was a runner-up 
Okay. I can't remember. I think, yeah, I think it might have been just outside your top 10, but that's yeah. uh, About Time from 2013. So it's the 10-year anniversary of About Time, which honestly feels like it came out longer ago than that, but I guess it's oh, really? a good thing. So, yeah, I don't I know. I can't I, believe it's been 10 years <laughs> because I was thinking like Donald Gleason, think of how much he's done since then. That was like mm-hmm. the first thing I saw him in. Rachel and Margot Robbie too. Yeah. Yeah. Rachel McAdams has been has two kids now. Like I just I can't believe all the things that have happened in that amount of time. So, but it's it's a really good movie, really good like sci-fi romance, which is not two genres that really yeah. like mix together very well, but it does pretty well in this movie. So, uh, that'll be our next episode of the show reviewing about time for its 10th anniversary. Until next time, we'd like to thank the Academy.